You're listening to the Bear Down Chicago Podcast with Logan Bradley, Ryan Dangle, Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Chagru, and Jack Wright. The Bear Down Chicago Podcast. Yeah, we're that Bears podcast. All right, folks, welcome into another edition of the Bear Down Chicago podcast. I am your host, Ryan Dangle. Now, if you want to find me on Twitter, it's at Ryan Dangle. That's D-E-N-G-E-L. I'm going to bring in, he wasn't here last week, but he's here this week, Patrick Sheldon. If you want to get shells, oh my goodness, I haven't done that in a long time, boys. Sorry about that. If you want to, it just, you you get applause. You get extra applause. Uh, so Patrick Sheldon, you want to find him on Twitter? It's at P underscore shells. Hi, shells. How are you? I missed you last week. It's beginning to look a lot like I don't give a shit about this team anymore. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Dangle. I missed you, buddy starting to look like come Started, on yeah. Jeff. <laughs> it's looked like that for a while but i think i'm uh i'm at the uh, point of no return all right fair enough uh let's bring in the assistant editor of bears wire brendan shagru if you want to find brendan on twitter it's at brendan shagru that's s-u-g-r-u-e hi buddy how are you have you written 400 or 500 articles this week 600. No, actually, this week has been kind of late. This weekend was was a bit more, but um, guys, I'm going to do the podcast with a uh, a Duke football in my hands to show I can have a football in my lap and not drop it. Okay, um, let's try it. All right. All right. I did it. Look at that. Look how easy so, that is. I'm going to be that guy. And before we even get Jack on the show... For all of our YouTube, if you're an audio-only listener, come check us out on YouTube. There it is. Uh, I just look at that and just think. That's tough. That, you know, at, that, least, I mean, that's, at least Bayless ahead, would have had the decency to just let it hit the ground without even putting his hands on it, you know? <laughs> Let's bring in Jack Wright at Bear Down Jack on Twitter. Hi, buddy. How are you? I'm doing okay, but I'm pretty sure I negotiated uh, intro applause in my contract too uh i noticed that shell's got it and i didn't i didn't uh click the right buttons uh because i was i was adding visuals just one more time so everyone can see uh there it is um a still frame image does not tell everything but woof uh darnell moody had a rough game rough rough game which i'm sure we'll get into a little bit later before we do that we got some people we got to thank and then I know Brendan has a breakdown for us, uh, which as busy as this dude is, which I put out a tweet this week. I, I know some of you saw it. I wanted to say thank you, Brendan. I don't know how you do all the things you do, but we're, we're pretty amazed that you do. But before that, we got to talk about Hensel's. We got to talk about Sheridan's because those dudes hooked me up and, I, and they need to hook you up as well. Sheridan's Barbershop, located in historic downtown Wheaton, Illinois, has been serving the community for 69 years with six barbers, open six days a week, Monday through Saturday. They have appointments available to book online or by phone at your convenience. You can go to Sheridan'sBarbershop.com or you can call them at 
668-0137. Or you can check out their new digs in Naperville. That's Hensel's. Hensel's Barbershop is located in downtown Naperville. It's been there since 1966. They have six barbers, maybe more now, RD. The other day when I was there, they had a lot of folks working the chairs. They're open Tuesday through Saturday. You can walk in or you can make an appointment. You can go to hensel'sbarbershop.com and book your appointment there if you would like to. Sheridan's Barbershop, Hensel's Barbershop, where traditional meets modern. Can I, can I say something? Jack, I, you look relaxed, man. You look very, very relaxed. Like, did you have some kind of like a, a massage or were you using some kind of a massager recently? Cause you looked, you just look refreshed and relaxed and invigorated. That's a very I don't know. good point. No, so you're, you're glowing. You're glowing, Jack. What? Shells, you're right. Um, Jack, I mean, yeah, I believe, I, yeah, just something uh, looks a little more vibrant about you. Sure. You know? I believe in personal care uh, of all sorts. And I feel like, you know, there's sometimes you have to take some time for you guys. Well, look, okay. Jack, I mean, okay. look, Jack, you're about, about your real quickly, guys, real quickly. Jack is very anal retentive about his, you know, process and things that happen. He's very busy throughout the week. He needs things in a specific order. So I'm glad that you got what you needed. So can, can I can I try to find a, a PG-13 way of telling the story and filling our listeners into what happened? Absolutely. Can I let people guess? Okay. So, uh, okay. So company white elephant uh, was that last night? Last night, and one of our one of the people that we work with is about I don't know how do you say this? Um, he's like a straight out of the 1950s, like Leave It to Beaver, like just genuine, like very very genuine, and he just is just it's that is so one day I guess he goes out to Amazon uh, goes out side to his house and there's an amazon package someone <laughs> randomly sent a massaging uh thing for for more for under for your undercarriage for your bum bum <laughs> so that ended up in uh <laughs> so that ended up in the white elephant and let's just say lots of lots of uh lots of good jokes for that one so, so needless to say jack will be doing a review at the end of the show and we've got a new sponsor so <laughs> for us i'll tell you all right it was a there was a samurai sword and the massager i'll tell you what i had a couple of shots and had one hell of a night guys it was it was something oh yeah if you knew the guy that we worked with that had it was just like, oh, what do I, what do I do with this? Like he's double checking his Amazon orders. I swear we didn't order this. We didn't order this. Unbelievable. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. All right. So, so we, let's let's talk about let's let's talk about the Bears football game. And in order to do that, uh, Brendan is so freaking good at this, and I'm so excited to hear it. Let's hear it, baby. Lucky 
We go to the Factory of Sadness, the Mistake by the Lake, and most importantly, the site of the 2016 Chicago Cubs World Series win. That is Cleveland, Ohio, as the Bears and Browns squared off in a pseudo-playoff game. And things were very tight early on before Joe Flacco Flacco spit up some rhymes instead of some dimes when he sent a pass to Eddie Michael Jackson, who moonwalked near the end zone. Gank the beat, Hey! Justin Fields hammered it home to Cole Komet, who hit home run right out of the park, just like Javi Baez. But the Browns bounced back. Flacco found David and Joker for the tying score late in the first half. You want to know how I got these scars? By carving up the defense. And things looked bleak for the Bears, but their defense responded because Tremaine Edmonds Fitzgerald was resurrected by the Great Lakes and took a pick back the other way for the score. Chicago led 17-7, but we all know how this story ends, folks. Unlike their economy in the 2000s, Cleveland recovered thanks to a long bomb to Omari Bradley Cooper, who scores the shallow touchdown to tie things up. And then Dustin Anthony Hopkins decided to eat the Bears' liver with some fava beans and a nice candy. To get the lead at the end. And any hope was lost because Darnell saw the Mooney fall to the ground on a Hail Mary attempt. Bears lose 2017. Brendan, I don't know how you do it, uh, especially with the limited amount of time that you have. So uh, thank you and bravo, sir, as as just your your standard of excellence. Um, I have so many things I want to talk about. Just I, I guess I should say this because I, I got it. I'm going to show this one more time for all of our, our people that are hanging out with us uh, video and not just our audio only listeners. You know, a still frame image doesn't show everything. It doesn't. Uh, it isn't everything, but I just, I'm, I'm just trying to look around like Darnell Mooney had a bad game. I, am, am I missing something in that boys? No, no. He had a terrible game. Uh, he's, right. had a, he's had a pretty bad season if we're being honest. So let's do this because I think this is the question that's on everybody's mind right now, at least to some extent, who is most to blame for this loss? The most to blame for this loss. Let's go around the horn. Let's hear where you guys are at. So let's go Sheldon, Shagru, Jack Wright, and I will finish it up. Who is most to blame for this loss has to be has to be one person i it, it could be a, a thing I mean, it could be like a defensive multi- it's offense. and 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 we can argue tonight over who was most responsible for the offense's futile production once again whether it was you know luke getzi or justin fields or uh the wide receivers or the running backs i mean everybody had a hand in in being um and being just awful today as offense. Uh, so that, I mean, that's who was on, right? Like I, I, we've been texting about it this week. I'm just, I I don't want another bears team that is phenomenal on defense and barely scrapes together enough plays on offense to stay competitive and hope that the defense keeps them in the game long enough that they can maybe squeak out a win. I'm tired of that brand of football. And we've been playing that brand of football for as long as I can remember. And I don't want it anymore. I, I don't. Like, I just, I can't take it. Uh, it's not fun to watch. It's not um, what where the modern NFL is. It's not sustainable. It's not a brand of football that will, will win you or get you uh, in a position to compete for championships year in and year out. And, uh, and, and it's, so it's on the offense. And we'll talk about who's to blame for that offense as the show goes on. But it's on their shoulders. They were terrible today. I'll piggyback off that. And I really want to pick a particular person or particular instance, but I have to go the complete offense as well, because it just seems like when Luke Getze had some good play calls, the offense didn't execute. You go back to Robert Tunyon's just inexplicable drop. 
You go back to guys missing their blocks. I know Darnell Mooney was a big one. Oh, did, man, why'd you have to have that queued up too? Jesus Christ, Dangle. God, um, that just hurt. Um, yeah, but it just felt like whenever something actually worked, like let's say a play call worked well, the offense didn't execute it. And when there was a bad play call, the offense just had to try their best, the players being to execute it. And it felt like that as the game wore on, we saw more of the old and conservative and predictable Luke Getze where he's doing things that just don't make sense. No more deep shots. You know, instead of trying to take more deep shots, DJ Moore, they just kind of, you know, ran the ball up the middle, even though the running game wasn't working well. Uh, it's It just felt like every little thing, there was a weak link at uh, different areas throughout the game and never felt cohesive. And that was just so frustrating because every, you know, people had positive and negative moments all throughout. And I think just the entire unit is to blame, especially after that defensive performance. It felt like we were watching the 2004, 2005 bears again, where it's just like, Oh boy, the defense is coming back on the field because they may actually be able to score better than the offense. And that's disgusting. So yeah, full offense. It certainly isn't the defense. I suppose you could make a, a bit of a case for the special teams being pretty poor, but you guys are right. I mean, without question, it's it's the offense. Uh, it's probably unanimous. We'll see what Ryan says. But four for 18 on third down, 0 for 2 on fourth down. Uh, DJM was uh, four catches for 52 on only uh, eight targets. Uh, and just to be specific on Mooney, uh, two catches for 14 yards on 18 targets, plus some missed blocks, uh, plus some dropped catch, some drop balls, and some incredibly important instances here's the clear pattern when the bears are up and we need them to control the ball they can't yet i'll just say yet i do think that polls will now turn his attention to the offense and he'll correct it in a similar way that he did with the defense but as it stands the offense is unable to control the ball and do its job at the end of the game so that the bears can ultimately win said game just to, for conversation, I mean, I agree with you guys that it's absolutely offense, but I'm going to put part of it on coaching. Um, I, I definitely think that Matty Rufloos made a couple decisions that made me scratch my head. Now, I know the one that got me really upset was at the end of the half, but I, but I do get it that it was probably out of Cairo Santos's range, but just seeming like they did everything they could to get into field goal range and not even take a shot at it. Just, just it still hurts a little bit. Um, Luke Getze, just getting cute in key situations. That's the one that really, really, really bothers me is just run the damn ball up, up the middle. I know, I know you haven't had great success with it, but like you've got one of the best like running quarterbacks around, like use his mobility in, in, in more situations. Um, I think Patrick Sheldon texted almost this exactly, which was when he should be aggressive, he's conservative when he's conservative, he should be aggressive. Like, and I just, I couldn't have agreed with that more. Um, I just, this, this staff as a whole, I don't, I don't want to see them back. I, 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 as a whole, now, if Getsy comes back as the head coach, I think I've, 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 I've gotten myself to a place where like, I'm okay with that. Like truly okay with that because of the things that he's done for the most part with the defense. However, right. Game on the line, like he, he, he even said that, that he started putting them into, into zone. Right. And then that's when, when they started carving them up. I mean, we, the defense has some culpability, not, not all of it. In fact, I, again, I totally agree with you guys. The vast majority goes to the offense, but you let Joe Flacco have almost 400 yards passing. 
that's that's terrible, right? Like I know, like I know we're talking Joe Flacco seven, eight years ago, right? Then this we're having a different conversation. But like when the Bears needed the defense most, they got carved up. And that part really hurt a lot. Joe Flacco was uh he had the most passing yards today uh since 20 September of 2018. So it's been over five years since Joe Flacco's had a performance like that. Think about where we were over five years ago. <laughs> they let Joe Flacco just at the end just start bombing it up. And you're right, Dangle, just some of the decisions like dropping Justin Jones into coverage being a little bit softer there, not having, not like blitzing or not being as aggressive on defense. And even Justin Jones after the game, he's like, look, man, I'm just doing what coach is called. And I don't really run that or whatever. It's just kind of was, I think people on the field are baffled too. Yeah. I, I will say this, like uh, <laughs> the offense, if they could have stayed on the field a little bit longer, maybe the defense is a little bit fresher. Okay. So I don't want to, I, they have some culpability here, but I don't want to put everything on the defense. I'll give them a little bit of a break, all things considered. But, um, you know, Brennan, you talked about like the play calling and, and people being baffled. Like it was like three o'clock. I'm going through our, our text string and I said, I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm going to give Luke Getzi credit because I thought he called a pretty decent game for the most part for like the first half. And then not even 20 minutes later, I'm like, I can't, I give him credit and he immediately turtles. And it is, he, he, you know, when we're up 10 early in the third quarter, he goes conservative when you need to be aggressive. And then late in the game, when you want to run the clock and, and try to hold on to the lead, he gets aggressive in situations when you're like, why don't you just run the ball? Right. And then to hear Mooney come out after the game and, and sort of validate that, what I said in real time, like we felt like we were just comfortable with the 10 point lead. I mean, again, if Joe shit the rag man sitting on his couch drinking about a half a dozen of these holiday ales or whatever they are can see how the Bears offense completely turns on a dime and turns into a conservative, you know, play safe with, you know, almost a half to go. How can Getzi not see it? How can he fail to adjust within the game time after time after time? It's like what? When, when do we say it's just not going to click for him? You want to give him some time and you want to give him an opportunity, but he is not learning from his mistakes. He's repeating them game after game after game. I just, I can't take this regime anymore. I can't. I'm just going to sum it up simply. Luke Getze can't coach against good defenses. He does well against below average or just trash defenses. Anytime it's a good defense, he doesn't know how to handle it. And I mean, yeah, part of that is probably personnel a little bit because DJ Moore was hurting bad. I mean, I knew he was battling out there. He was, you know, going in and out of the lineup, dealing with that ankle injury. You can't trust Darnell Mooney. Your backup tight ends dropping passes. You're now down to Tyler Scott and Bayless Jones. But at the same time, damn it, here it is again. (laughs) Just love doing that. Um, So part of it is personnel, but at the same time, like, he just doesn't know how to handle when a defense is outmatching the offense and he has no rebuttal for it whatsoever. I, here's the thing. I, I I'm I'm gonna Jack loves nuance. There are times where his players just flat out let him down. I mean, I know I keep coming back to this. I've got a shiny new toy. I've, I'm I'm using it. How this isn't a touchdown? You know what I mean? Like Robert Tunyon. Like you, it was a great throw. Not a good throw. It was a great throw with pressure in his face. That Fields makes it, drops it, drops the dime, and 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 do just 
collapses, drops it. You know, I'm going forward a little bit uh, later in the game. Now I'm, I'm switching side to the defense. I'm, you know, I know we were talking about Getsy, but but just a little bit. This missed holding call on Jalen Johnson on fourth and short. Like, I I, I mean, <laughs> it, it was it was egregious, and it happened right in front of the official and. Sanchez or whoever was talking about it, like, Oh, look, you know, this holding call that happens right in front of him. Like, I don't know why, why we're celebrating it. I mean, there were, there were times where people just straight up let it down. I, I think, you know, I get why they called the Njoku touchdown, a touchdown, but like his heel definitely was out of bounds. And I should have been reviewed. Com- I can't believe they confirmed <clears throat> that. I, so, you know what I mean? Like while I say it is, it's on coaching. I don't mean that, that it completely on coaching. I feel like technically I would say that this is a, a complete failure all across the board on all levels. And people say that the defense wasn't culpable at all because they scored. I, I, I don't agree with that. Like when you needed it most, but, but they were carrying the team for, for the most part. I just drop balls, missed opportunities, bad, bad play call. And like, this was a bad, bad loss. So, which brings up my, my question here, boys, right? Because I've got to ask of the meltdowns that we have seen this season, which was the worst, the Broncos, the lions, or this one from the Browns, same order boys. Boy, it's it's like picking a favorite kid, right? Um, who's my favorite child? I I think the Lions one probably stings the most to me. Um, this was a good defense that they played. It was a very good defense, and uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just I'm scarred, but part of the whole game was just waiting for the inevitable to happen, and it happened. Uh, I really felt like they were going to win that Lions game and should have won that Lions game. That collapse to me was a lot worse. Um, but boy, it's those are three really good examples, Dingle. I don't know. You can't go wrong picking uh, any one of those disasters, but I'll I'll go with the Lions uh, as the worst meltdown of the season. So uh, after the Lions game, I'm just going to put out a plug out there because we all know how much uh, Ryan likes plugs. Um we did a uh, most painful bears loss, like out of the last um, 10 or so years, 15 worst losses in the Broncos and lions games were both on there. We had said that the lions was the worst. And I think, I think it still goes lions is the worst because of the fact that it was the second time it happened that a blown lead happened the first time. Of course it shouldn't, but you know, maybe something, some crazy thing happened. You hadn't been in that situation before. Fine. It shouldn't happen again. This Browns one probably sits right underneath that Lions loss because it really shouldn't happen a third time. But at the same time, this is a perennial play. This is probably a really good playoff team with a great defense. And I just think some some big plays were made. The defense was balling. The offense really couldn't do much. Um, The Lions game was definitely in hand. And you could arguably say that the Broncos game was too. This one is just... Even though it was a 10-point lead, it always felt a lot closer than it was. So um, Lions, for sure, was the worst. You know, I'm going to go Broncos. I just I feel like of all of the three examples, that's the one that just left me feeling the most empty. It's just my soul felt bleak and dark because that one more than the others, uh, just the pucker factor was so evident. The the playing scared, the playing not to lose element was palpable. Uh, 
and and just so incredibly disappointing. I like I said, I feel like in that Lions loss, um, you know, so much was made of the coaching staff, but without rehashing, the players really let the team down specifically in that in that Lions loss. Um, so so for me, it was the Broncos and, and the Broncos, I think, have been a little bit better since, but they weren't very good at that particular juncture. So um, we just we we just handed them that game in a beautiful white elephant wrapped basket. <laughs> I threw out this uh, question and it looks like uh, Sylvie also put it out. He added the Packers to it. I want to just like meltdown losses. Um, and so I've got 106 votes at this point. Uh, and number one is the Detroit lions with 43%. Then 31% is Denver Broncos and 25% say Cleveland. Again, I'm just, I'm saying this more so for, for conversation. I'm going to say this one and I'm going to say this because they actually, had this little part of my brain that said, you know what, Ryan, just maybe, just maybe if they could win out, right. Do something they've never done with this coaching staff, right. That they, that they, that they, you know, just could, they could, they can make it, they could make the playoffs. And I was like, I found myself watching the game a little differently than I have with, with the rest of them. You know, the lions game, you guys know, like I made, I made Brendan angry, really angry. Jinx them. (laughs) You jinx yep. them. Do we need to totally. have this conversation again? Totally do. Oh, yep. We're gonna have we're gonna have it again because a certain couple of people on this pod jinxed our punt returner today uh, in a bad <laughs> way. So we'll 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 get to that later. But go ahead, Ryan. So I just I'm watching this game differently. Like I I, I I'm watching with the like. I really want them to win. I'm, I'm passionate. I'm not thinking about draft position. I'm not thinking about Iberflus getting fired. I'm thinking about maybe this dude will turn the corner and you know what? Maybe I'll say, Jack, you were right. And I was wrong. And, and Matt Iberflus is a great coach and he's going to take us to the Super Bowl, Like you two guys said last week. And then I was like, Oh, right. never mind. So I just, uh, this, this one hurt to me just because now we were going to, we are going to Jack and I and, and a buddy from work. We're going to be going to the Christmas Eve game against Arizona. And I was just thinking, man, how much fun would that game be if there's semi playoff implications going into it? And now we're like, we're just going to have way more beverages than usual. And, uh, and just, you know, just enjoy. And if we leave early, whatever we leave early, like it happens. Can I throw out this? Uh, this is from Doug Clausen. He's at Doug underscore underscore Clausen. He's a researcher and writer with CBS Sports. You may have seen this. The Bears have lost three games with a 10-plus point lead in the fourth quarter this year, tied for the most in a season in NFL history. They've we did it! Three 10-point <laughs> leads in the fourth quarter. I mean, like, you can say the players let him down and, and they're not executing, but like at, at what point is it more than that? At what point is it systemic? At what point is it the whole thing's got to go? You know, it's funny. A lot of people were so adamant that they did not want Dan Quinn to be coach of the bears because of his like fourth quarter, bl- like blown leads and all that. We got somebody worse. <laughs> what do you sure know? Did. We sure <laughs> did. Be, again, I think his defense has been spectacular the last couple of weeks. Was he that way in Indianapolis? Like, I know the Jag the Jaguars' loss was like yeah. that was the one that we were kind of like head scratching. Like, this is the guy, but 
I don't think that was a meltdown. That was just a blowout loss, right? It's kind of a meltdown. Uh, it was a close loss, I think. Um, I'd have to go look back and check. I haven't, I haven't thought about that, but it's, it's a good question to kind of see like how many sure. like defensive blown leads there were with the Colts. Jack, does this one move you in either direction uh, on, on Matt Eberflus, or do you still kind of feel like strongly about about this this staff? Like, I'm I'm, kind of, I'm very very curious where you're at on this. Um, thanks for asking, Ryan. I, I'm I'm very uh, forced through the trees. Uh, the team is still ascending. I think what today proves to me is that uh, talent wins football games. Uh, we've seen an infusion of talent uh, elevate the defense in a way we never expected. Uh, even just the addition of Montez Sweat. Um, not having a viable wide receiver uh, as a secondary option to DJ Moore is a, a huge problem. Um, not having the offensive line quite complete yet is clearly still a problem. Um, not having an offensive coordinator who seems to um, mesh really well and, and work well with, with our quarterback is still a problem. Um, our quarterbacks play is still, I think, uh, a problem. So uh, to me, um, I, I still think polls has an ability to target talent despite some misses. The one that comes to mind is Claypool and that pick and Sam Laporta. But otherwise, um, if he can continue to do what he's done, uh, through free agency, through the draft, through the people that he has signed. I, I, I guess I just, I'm less concerned about Matt Eberflus or Getze or really even Justin Fields. And we'll sure we'll talk about it later, but like, for instance, I mean, I'm okay with Fields staying now, not because I think he's the quarterback of the future, but because I think the whole rest of the team is just going to continue to get better. And then I think some way we'll, we'll continue to build assets here and we'll continue to have picks and I'm hopeful we will find that quarterback and that OC and that head coach. But I think Poles is on just a whole nother level here, transcending some of what we're talking about in terms of de- building this team in a direction that he initially intended to build it. And I feel like he's got like laser focus and blinders on when it comes to doing it. Yeah, I, I got to see him get better drafting at the offensive skill positions, though. Offensive line, so far so good. Defense, so far so good for the most part, right? But like Bayless Jones, Tyler Scott, um, you know, Roshan Johnson, uh, jury's still out on all the – I mean, well, jury's still out on two of those guys. I think I think we've got a verdict on Bayless Jones. Um, but, you know, I, I, need, I need to know that he can draft at the skilled position. So this is going to be a huge offseason for him. It really is. Uh, I can't wait to see what he does because it's it's this is going to make or break his entire tenure this off season. This is it. I want to I, I want to go to the Justin Fields question. I know that we we've been asking this one every week, and I think we are going to continue to ask this question every week. Um, and I tried to preface this true or false a little bit differently, and it, just because the the blanket. Is he the guy? Is he not the guy? I think we're still kind of like back and forth on that. So I, I want to go after this. True or false, you're closer to a decision on Justin Fields after this week game uh, than last week, right? Like, so are, do you do you feel like you're – that you know more this week than you did last week? Or do you still find yourself like, man, I, I, I don't know? 
I mean, there were some really great plays that he made and a couple and he fumbled again. He fumbles all the time. So let's go. Let's go. Same order, boys. True or false. You're feeling better about Justin Fields or worse than Justin Fields. You're feeling closer to a decision more so than last week. I mean, I'm I'm no closer to a decision. I I think I've been pretty firm in my conviction in Justin Fields. I I I want to keep him next year uh, with a better offensive play caller and a better wide receiver room. Um, I think he's ascended every single year. I think he's getting better every single game. Um, you know, I get resetting the clock and financial reasons and all that, but you know, give me the quarterback who's shown he can get better year after year in multiple systems, right? He's had two offensive systems and he's had a terrible play caller, but like, look at this game today. If uh, Tunyon catches that pass and scores a touchdown and that first interception at the end of the half, that Hail Mary was not an interception. It it hit the ground. Clearly they called interception. It still boggles my mind that, that, that um, stood, you take that away and then you add the Mooney touchdown, right? His stats look a whole lot different and this game looks a whole lot different. And I think we come out of this feeling a whole lot different about Justin Fields. Um, So, you know, I'm not going to put today on him two plays really. And this is a completely different, I, I think most people are feeling a lot different about Justin Fields. And if you, you know, you force through the trees, right? Jack, you said earlier, if you take that perspective and you zoom out and you say, really, there were two plays in this game that could have completely altered the course of it and, and our perception of it, then you're really not looking at it holistically. If you're coming to the conclusion that he was either great or he was terrible when I think really your opinion could hinge on, on the outcome of those two plays. Uh, so no, I'm no closer. I don't know if Ryan Poles is any closer. I don't know where the, the front office is. Um, but I tweeted out like I'm conflicted because at this point I need Getsy and Flus gone, like for my own mental health. Um, but I think I know that that comes with, uh, a changing of the guard at quarterback. And that hurts for me because I do like Justin Fields. Um, so I don't, I, like, I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be a tough off season. Uh, but, um, personally, no, I'm, I'm still where I was at last week on Justin Fields. I guess I would say true. I'm a little bit closer in the sense of, I I think he can, he took steps today as weird as it may sound. I think he took steps today to show that he's playing the position a bit better. And he did some things that I wanted to see now, whether that actually means anything in in 2024, if the bears draft another quarterback, that's a whole nother conversation. I know we're not having that, but two of the things that I really liked that fields did was, I thought he operated the two-minute offense very well in both the first half and the second half. I thought where he was just pinpoint accurate for the most part, get, finding Komet on the sideline. I think Mooney had one. I think that was one of his two catches or something. The, the fact that he was able to just get the ball to Roshan Johnson while guys are bearing down on him, and he was able to make something out of nothing. He did a lot better job than what we've seen in the past because that was kind of the big sticking point with this with him in this offense was that they just could not operate that two-minute offense well, whether it was coaches or the players or or both or a combination. Now, yeah, he's going to have two interceptions. Really, it should be one interception. I don't know why they just counted that first one. Uh, That's going to show up on his final stat sheet, whatever. Um, But I thought for both of those, he operated very, very well. Um, 
And he he had to deal with just like a ferocious defense. Like these guys were coming after him a lot. And when you have your number one wide receiver literally in and out of the lineup, you can't count on him pretty much every other series because he's having to get his ankle worked on. And you know what you're getting in Darnell Mooney. Basically, you have Cole Komet in your running back. That's who was really, really like the only two productive um, pass catchers when DJ Moore was out there. Mm-hmm. And so that's so that's so hard. You're you're kind of bringing it back to like the 2022 Bears. So he was able to do he was able to kind of, you know, play his game and make strides in, in those areas despite not having DJ Moore for plenty of chunks on the field. I think um uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the snap counts are. I'm very interested to see how much DJ Moore was actually on the field this week. Could you guys help me out? So we've got um options that include trade justin fields um sign him to a fifth year or sign him to a long-term contract is that no you you can still you can still keep him you can choose not to um have him on the fifth year option and just let him play out this final year of his deal this is the final year of his deal. No, 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 no. He's got Next one year. more year after this, okay. and then you pick. You have the option to pick up the fifth year option in May after the draft. Okay, thanks, Brendan. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I got. I'm just going to say false because I feel as though I'm not certain because it's hard to phrase. I suppose I'll just say it this way: I would like polls to entertain every possible situation. I want him to look at every avenue that might better our football team. And if that means trading for trading Justin Fields for assets and drafting Caleb Williams and starting the quarterback uh, timeline contract over again, then he should do that. If it's uh, keeping Justin on the field, uh, keeping him on the fourth year or the fifth year, I'll just put those together. Then uh, and then still maybe drafting a, a quarterback uh, a little deeper into the draft and letting there be a, a bit of a competition. I, I think okay, let's go ahead and do that. Um, I, you know, I, I don't I don't know what the answer is. Uh, the only thing I would say is that I'm not convinced that he is uh, the clear cut um, franchise changing quarterback. I think I've decided, if nothing else, that he is not on the, the trajectory that I would think a quarterback would be at this point to be the kind of quarterback that is a franchise changing quarterback. Brennan, you made some great points, honestly, that I, I mean, I cannot going into Cleveland against one of the best defenses in the, in the, in the league um, and having you were right, like basically commit and a running back. I mean, listen, I've said nice things about Justin Fields. He's flashed in some ways that are just absolutely incredible. Um, but, but I still just think the fact that me and the whole rest of the bears world is vacillating on Justin Fields says a lot about where we're at with Justin Fields. And so my thought is he's good enough to keep and like be a placeholder if necessary while we build the rest of this team. Uh, and if he somehow miraculously makes a, a, a big jump from year four to five, sweet. We've got ourselves uh, a game changer and that's great. But I, again, let's keep all like, let's just keep all the options open in my opinion, when it comes to Justin Fields. Jack, there's so many things that you said that I just, I so strongly agree with. I mean, I, I, the two interceptions, I mean, those weren't really his fault. I, I, he he's thrown a hail mary. Like I don't think that that should count necessarily, right? In the, in that position, uh, I 
I, especially the last one, like when it hits your receiver in the hands and sorry, in the lap and he, and he, and he drops it, uh, the one to Tunyon, like that should have been a tutty, like that should have been a clear touchdown. And so now his, his numbers, you know, he's, he's probably close to 200 yards passing, um, and still able to run it the way that he does. I, I the, the Luke Getzey stuff, I still just, I'm, I'm, I'm racking my head just thinking like, if, if he had another coach, if he had another offensive coordinator, like, do we get to see more of, of this Justin Fields? And, and I, I, I think I said that the same thing that you said, Jack, a couple of weeks ago is if we're still back and forth, maybe he's not the guy, but there's been moments where he's saying that's better and that's better and that's better and that's better. And the one thing that we all agree on is Justin Fields is the best leader that they have had at quarterback I, man, I don't know, guys. How how long? Like he's the he's he is the leader of that team, and leadership is something that you cannot you 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 can't buy it. You can't draft it, right? Like it's it's it has to be. Uh, you can't train it for sure, right? It is it has to be something that is that is internal. This guy has it, and and that part is just is keeps me like, I he's getting better, and he's a good leader. This team respects him, and he doesn't have weapons. Right outside of DJ Moore and Cole Komet, he and Roshan John, he doesn't he doesn't have anybody, right? Like so, if he has Marvin Harrison Jr., right? Who, whoever's playing quarterback here next year needs more weapons, needs more help on the offensive side of the football, which is one of the things that I come back to with with Flus. Like if Flus keeps telling polls, like I want this defensive resource, like. I get it. Like this defense, you can win a lot of football games with this defense. You cannot win a lot of football games with this offense. You need to address the offense in, in the, in, in the off season. Boys, have you ever heard the Chicago bears say, man, we really need to fix the offense in the off season. Once or well, three. he, he did take, I mean, to, I'll just defend polls here. Good and bad. He took swings. I mean, the Claypool swing was supposed to be something that was going to be hopefully a long-term solution. Obviously, it didn't work out. Darnell Mooney was supposed to be that wide receiver two, wide receiver three. If you look back, and we've had conversations about this, guys, like the trio of Moore, Claypool, and Mooney, we were all basically saying, that's a great trio. They finally did it. Like, this is a good offensive skill group. Couple that with Komet, and then Tunyon being a tight end too. Like, on paper, that was supposed to be it. It obviously didn't work out that way, but I mean, I just don't want to like berate the fact that like, well, polls doesn't address the offense and everything like that. I think he did. He just missed on some of the big moves, unfortunately. Our guy, Matt's thrown up some good questions and this one caught my eye and I want to address it. Cause it's been a topic of conversation on uh, Twitter. Uh, is there a scenario where polls could move on from the coaching staff and bring back fields? And I'll, I'll say a couple things being a huge field supporter. I don't know that I'd want that uh, for a couple reasons. One, it would be, it would continue that cycle of suck where the bears force, whether it's a quarterback on a coach or a coach on a GM or whatever, like I, I don't want to see that because that never works out for any of the parties involved. Um, the second thing is it would be his third offensive coordinator in four years. And some folks have said, Oh, well you get somebody in the same vein as uh, Luke gets from the same system. Well, we don't know that that system is good. Right? <laughs> like we don't know, at least not good for Justin Fields. Um, so I don't know that we want another offensive coordinator that 
from that same system that just calls different plays because that system may not be uh, may not mesh well with Justin Fields' skill set. So he would likely be on his third offensive system in four years, and I, it's just not it's not it's not good for anybody. Uh, I think if they decide to move on from the coaching staff, the best thing for everybody involved would be a clean break. You trade Fields, best for him, honestly. Uh, and best for the organization because you, you can't. It's unreasonable to expect a quarterback to do uh, anything on his third offensive coordinator in four years. It's just not realistic. The scenario in which you paint, um, it's a good question by Matt. If you bring in the new coaches, you basically have to sign Justin Fields to a contract extension. That's the thing. And does anybody want to do that right now? Do you want to pay potentially $40 million? And yeah, that Ryan's shaking his head no. Because the thing is, you're bringing in new coaches, and that's the expectation. Like, okay, we have this guy. We're going to try to get the most out of him. This is what we did two years ago, and it's not going great. So if you're going to do that, then you're looking – If you, let's say you don't sign him to a contract extension. Then Fields is going to be here for two years max, and then you potentially have to do the franchise tag, which is very expensive as well. So – you're just still in limbo. You're not lining up the timelines. And I feel like that's where what's messed mm-hmm. this team up. So I'll say there is a scenario. I don't think it's a good scenario. And I think it's very unlikely that it happens. Yeah. My way too early prediction is as follows, because once again, you all are incredibly intelligent and make my brain juices juice. So I am just thinking that possibly this is what's going to happen. I think flu stays. I think uh, Fields gets traded. I think they draft a quarterback. They bring in a new offensive coordinator, and off we go. Flus has been great at picking uh, coaches on his staff. That, that's that's a very no. that's a very fair criticism, Jack. I, I, he has done a lot of good things, and and I don't think anything is taking away from what Sheldon just said, but he has been bad at that. Like that, that's yeah. just, that's, Getsy's well been documented. bad performance wise. Getsy's been bad. Al Williams dismissed for misconduct, running back coach dismissed for misconduct. Like, are we in the scenario where we've got, <laughs> we've got lovey, right? Where defense is great. Can't get the offensive coordinator, right? Can't get the system, right? Can't get anything on the other side of the ball. Correct. Like, is that, is that where we're trending? Do you I'm just trust saying, I don't think, I don't think we to hire the offensive coordinator. Right. I, those are all great points. I'm just saying, I don't think Fluce is going anywhere. But like wh- whatever we think, you know, and we have obviously agreed and disagreed about a lot of things in that regard. I just, I don't think he's going anywhere. Uh, Do you I trust him to hire the next OC though, Jack? Just, mm. well, I mean, I think that goes all the way back to our earlier conversations about, you know, many of us wanting to have some sort of an offensive minded uh, head coach in place, mm-hmm. especially in a franchise like the Chicago bears who have so often gotten the quarterback position wrong. And I think it would have been really nice to have seen, you know, like who, who doesn't want the Ben Johnson vibe or the Matt LaFleur with his quarterback vibe. I think we, I think we would cherish, <laughs> we would absolutely freaking love to see that particular chemistry working in Chicago. So, I mean, great questions. What if Fluce isn't the one hiring the coach? What if it's polls? Right. That's even worse. Isn't that like, I don't know. <laughs> isn't that worse though? I mean, because now like, that's just so bearsy. 
I don't know. Now we're going to have the GM force an OC on the head coach. We don't, we don't trust our head coach to pick his coordinator, but we trust him enough to run the team. Like I'm just so goddamn tired of the bears hiring the fucking Melba toast candidate. Like it's just enough. Can we get a guy? Can we, can we swing for the fences? Can we honestly swing for the fences instead of taking that? Like what I call it in the chat last week, the hit by pitch, like Fluce is the hit by pitch. You know, the defensive indifference. He's he's a nice guy. Like Bernstein said it perfectly this week. He's a nice guy. He's not going to ruffle feathers. The McCaskies are going to love him, right? But what what is he? Does, I mean, honestly, do we feel like he's the guy that's going to get this team to reach its maximum potential? Are we going to be hoisting Lombardi trophies with Matt Eberflus at the helm? Can we no. swing at, at, at a big name or the next big offensive mind to try to get this team into the, the modern NFL? When it comes to running an offense, Shells, obviously, obviously, Jack and I said that I said they were going to get to a Super Bowl with Matt Eberflus, not win it. So clearly, we're the the we can't get there, but we'll definitely get there. I'm just kidding. It's just I, uh, I know. You know, if, if if they did clean house, which Jack, I I I think unless there is an absolute utter meltdown for these last couple of games, I I tend to agree with you. I think the Bears front office says, oh look, like. He hasn't lost the locker room. The defense is is humming, right? Like, I, I'm not saying that that's what I would do. You know, what I'm saying is I think that's what the Chicago Bears will do just looking at their long losers. history. Right. But, and so what I'm saying is like, you know, and I know, Sheldon, you're really going to go crazy on this one. But it's like if you had the chance for for Harbaugh, right, or or whoever the guy is that you truly believe in, right? Like, and and I don't, you know, what's going to happen in New England? I don't think there's any way that they're going to let Mike Tomlin go. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm I'm not saying, but but if there was a guy that you truly believed in, any really good coach could come in here, and I feel like they like with the defense that Flus has set up, that that coach could do it if this is the right offensive guy, right? Like, I think there's another coach that could have almost as much defensive success as Flus. I don't want to take anything away from him. Dude has done a phenomenal job. He's done a far better job than I, than I wanted to give him credit for in the early parts of the season. He's developed guys defensively ex- exceptionally well, but I just, yeah, I, I, I think they're going to keep him. And I, and I think we're, we're going to be, you know, a, a, I don't know what, it, you know, eight, nine team again, or a, a, yep. a seven and seven and 10 team for, for next season. And we're just, we're going to see like little incremental increases, but we're never going to make the jump to, to a, a true playoff team. That's, that's George McCaskey does not have the nuts to hire a personality like Jim Harbaugh or Bill Belichick or Mike Tomlin. He just, he doesn't like, like look at, look at his hires over the years. He does not have the stomach to hire a personality who's going to challenge a status quo. I'll give him credit for hiring Kevin Warren, right? We'll see, but we'll see ultimately how much authority and power and sway he has. But I just don't see the McCaskies having the stomach to hire somebody like a, like a Harbaugh or a Belichick or, or anybody like that. They'll swing say, yeah. wonder bread. Uh, Flues. I will say, I, I just hope that this, Eventually, if they do move on from Flues, which who knows? I mean, I could, I, I think I, I believe that he's probably going to stay at this point, but who knows? Surprises happen. I hope it's a situation like the Dolphins where they were ascending with Brian Flores. It was a very controversial move. And granted, there was other things at play there. I'm not getting into that, but they hired Mike McDaniel and things got a lot better. They finally were able to get to that point. 
versus a team like the Raiders who had Rich Bisaccia and actually rallied the troops and got better and then hired Josh McDaniels or, you know, the Panthers with Steve Wilkes and Frank Reich. Like the point is you, you do see it go both ways where you do have kind of like something potentially building. And then you think, Hey, we can get to the next level with another guy, but then it comes crashing down and things go haywire or, I mean, it, it, sometimes it does work. So I think there is a risk, but you know, we're starting to see, especially with this latest blown loss. Like I was buying in on Eberflus the last few weeks. I truly was. I was seeing the, the obviously the culture turn around. Guys weren't, you know, they weren't losing the locker room or anything. You could see just progress being made. But when you have another loss like this, you blow yet another big lead. Like that's just a huge indictment on the entire coaching staff. And it starts with him. Come on, Jack. You want to say something? I want to hear it. Again, I just I, I'm I, I'm not a full fledged like I'm not wearing fluce shirts and hats and flying his flag. I mean, I I think what uh, Brendan just said is is interesting. I, I could see and I, I've mentioned you know fluce is a potential placeholder. Um, you know, until we do get whoever the next dynamic coach is. I just, you know, my point has always been that I don't think that Fluce is an unmitigated disaster, that there are clearly some elements of the way in which he has led this team that have been, have been effective. Um, I can't answer, you know, but when you started asking those questions, you know, Ryan and, and Shell's about like, you know, is he the guy that we imagine, you know, hoisting the Lombardi trophy? That seems pretty far-fetched. And I don't want to have like a team of old, like you guys don't, I don't want that old narrative any more than you guys do where our defense is lights out, but we just, we can't move the ball on offense. I mean, I, I don't want any of those things either. I really don't. Um, I, I just, I, I think that the bears tend to show commitment to head coaches in general. Uh, I think that there will be more of a likelihood that they keep him. And I was also going to ask today, like, is there anything, well, I guess like you would maybe tangentially say that the uh, losing a losing a lead and losing the game is on Flus. Because was there anything today that he specifically did that you thought would have like warranted um, extreme criticism? Well, I think we talked about a little bit about the defense at the end. And okay. you look the point. The point is, and I was I was saying it in real time. Uh, it's my buddy I was watching with like, you know, you got to sustain a drive here at the end of the game because that defense right. has got to be tired, you know, g- get a few first downs and make sure you keep them off the field a little bit so they can uh, catch their breath. That didn't happen. But still, when you're dropping certain guys into coverage because you're worried about Joe Flacco picking your apart, like he can't move like the amount of times that they sacked him and made him uncomfortable. I thought those were very just bad coaching decisions and yeah guys got to tackle guys got to be in the right position i get that but it's just like you know fourth quarter that's crunch time man that's crucial time like that's where you gotta just you know dig deep and call just you know trust in your players and make sure that like you know hey we're we're doing this we've been doing this it's been working don't move away from what's working so i, I don't know i think part of that we i think we maybe we haven't talked about this yet, but like the first half field goal decision, I understood it once you heard that like there was a 15 mile per hour wind, you wanted to get uh, five yards closer. But then does Eberflus need to be the one to tell Luke Getze, like, hey, let's keep things on the ground a little bit, make sure we get yards instead of trying to, you know, throw it deep and everything like that? Or, you know, should you even try just to see if that's a better success rate versus, you know, having a Hail Mary? I don't know. I think those those are uh, definitely worthy 
of criticisms. I get, and you made some great points. I, the, the halftime one to me is a no brainer. I mean, they, they, they watched him kick before the game. You saw some of the tweets out there of him even kicking at halftime. They had a line at which they felt that he could make a field goal. They, they weren't at that line. Um, so you have two options. Either A, have him kick a field goal that he's not going to make. And I see some of the comments, and I would just suggest for some – and we're glad you're here. We really are. But I would suggest that you take a look at, at Twitter a little bit, take a look at, a little bit at um, some of the posts about the wind – uh, and about some of the kicks that he was attempting before the game and at halftime. It seems pretty evidently clear that there was no chance that he would have made a field goal from that distance. Not because he's not a good kicker. He's a great kicker. It's just you have a range, and he was at least eight yards outside of his range at that particular point. And so, like we saw at the very end of the game when Mooney almost caught the ball and won the game, as a coach, you're thinking to yourself, okay, what gives us the best opportunity to score in this moment? And that was the best opportunity to score. I admit, I also thought initially, like, what the hell? Why wouldn't you kick a field goal? We have a great field goal kicker. But, like, when more of the information came in, it seemed like it was the right choice. And I, I, I will say I, I agreed with that because I was the same point. I went back and said, okay, 50-mile-per-hour win. I can understand that. But then my one question after that was just, like, well, could they have done something different to kind of do better to get closer? That was my big thing. So that's That's yeah. the thing. It's like we, you know – it all falls at his feet. It all falls at the head coach's feet. And I go back to something I said a few weeks ago. Like if Matt Eberflus doesn't like what uh, Luke Getze's doing game to game or within the game, like go do something about it. But Luke Getze has not changed one bit. He is making the same mistakes game after game after game. And like, when do we, when do we put some of that blame on Eberflus for not being the leader and the head coach and going down there and fixing it? You know, like I just got a great point. If Matt Aberflew says, Hey, here's what we need to do. We need to get in the field goal range and here's how I want to do it. Um, or like, Hey Luke, you gotta, you gotta be better situationally. You gotta be better unscripted. You gotta be better, you know, outside of the first drive of the game. You know, I can't win every single coin toss. They only, we only get one of those a game. Uh, you got to be better when when we don't have the ability to script our first fifteen plays. And if he's not better, then do something else, right? Like, I don't know. It all falls at the head coach's feet, in my opinion. Um, and we can blame the offensive coordinator. We can blame the the players. We can blame the execution. We can blame the quarterback. We can blame the rest. We can blame anything we want. But at the end of the day, like, who's accountable for all of it? who's accountable for the penalties and for the discipline and for this and for that it's the head coach. And, and Brendan, you said it like the dolphins, they were playing hard, but they couldn't get over the hump. And then they bring in McDaniel and, and suddenly they're scoring points. Like it's just the players just woke up that year and said, well, we're going to execute today. Or, I mean, like I, it, more so than any other sport coaching head coaching is, is like so important in the NFL. It's like the one sport I think it makes the most difference. And I don't want to just like say, well, it's just the players in execute or the head, the offensive coordinator or this or that. Like it, it, it has to fall at his feet at some point and he's got to take responsibility for all of it. I think about those, these three now, like just dumpster fire losses, right? That these, these blowups like that follows a coach. Do you know what I mean? Like I, 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 Jack, I mean this, I am giving him credit for holding the locker room the way that he has held the locker room that his, the defense's ascension, like 
it, it it's impressive. It's really impressive. But I just had this feeling, and I didn't text it because Brennan would be mad at me again. Is I I don't think these guys had any faith that they were going to be that they're going to be in it that they're going to win it at the end of this game. Like they just it was like well maybe we might. Like it might happen, you know, as much as I don't love like Dan Campbell, I don't, I don't think he's, he's every, but like, he has this like fervor about him that was like, when they were down, it's like, we're going to do this. We got this. And like, you know, I'm not saying it it was, it's a missing rah-rah speech or anything like that, but there's just some intangible thing, this, this it factor that, that I just don't see with him. And I just like, it seems that his team, whether that be his fault or Getsy or players or whatever, or some combination of all those things, right? When the game is on the line, I don't trust him. Him being up, I think they could protect a lead. But if it's going to be a close game, I mean, I, I just I the just Browns were also guy. missing like 162 players. <laughs> with injuries. I mean, still they were down what 14 offensive linemen. Like honestly, it was they, they were down to one healthy starting offensive lineman. Today. Yeah. So, like, the, the, from a talent perspective, the the playing field was pretty leveled today, guys. It was pretty level. I just think that you're talking – well, I don't completely disagree with you, Ryan. I, you're talking, I think, a little bit in the abstract, and I think that goes counter to what we've seen. Like you mentioned, uh, when Flew speaks at the podium, when he speaks to the team, and the way that we clearly see, like, the performance on the field when it comes to, like, tenacity and effort and thumping – and all of that type of stuff. And what I look at more so than what might be some sort of an intangible like chemistry uh, that is going on is quite honestly, like the inability to place an offense on the field to execute what needs to be executed. To me, like you don't have to look at the margins for that. You can tangibly look right down at the field and say, we don't have the offensive pieces that are necessary in this situation to win the game. You might be right, Ryan, about Flus and that vibe. You might be, I don't know. But what I do know is that those players aren't on our roster offensively yet. And the offensive coordinator that we need to be able to effectively seal a game. Like to me, those two things, maybe there's some room for discussion there. But I think that's pretty. I mean, that's pretty lock solid. Like uh, to me, it's like we're we need a game winning shot. You know, I mean, the Bulls are awful. I hardly even watch them anymore. But you know, it, and we just look at the bench and we're like, who's going to take it? We need somebody to take it. And unfortunately, there doesn't seem to be like that level of player. There are some good players who are game changers and who are solid but there aren't enough of them on the offensive line and at the skill positions at this point for us to win a game. And to me, that's proven out by the fact that we've tied a record for losing, you know, three games that we had leads in. Can I, can I counter that real quick, Jack? So before, before sweat got here, the defense was playing, they weren't playing as well, but they were playing a lot better than they had in the beginning of the year. When did that change? When did they start playing better? Without sweat, you mean? Yeah, when Eberflus took over, right? Like when he started calling plays. Um, so same talent. They had the so we could have said the same thing back then. Like we could have used the same excuse for Alan Williams and said he just doesn't have the pieces right now. Wait until he gets a guy like Sweat or a game wrecker on the defensive end. But it wasn't really about the talent. There was some talent there. It took 
a change of the guard and, and a new defensive play caller to get the most out of the talent on the field. I think the same thing is true on the offense. I, there are some talent the offensive line has been pretty good. Um, and, and there are some deficiencies in the wide receiver room, but they could get a lot more out of the talent out there. It's, I mean, they're not the, the Panthers for God's sakes, like this, this offensive roster is not abysmal. They should be getting more than what they're getting out of this team. If you look at their offensive production, even in their wins, I mean, you know, 16 points, nine points, 12 points, like it's terrible. Um, they, they should be getting a lot more out of this offense, even with the talent that's out there now than they are. And, and it's the play caller. It's Getsy. I mean, it really is guys. Like I, I, Brendan, unless there's something you want to throw in there, I want I want to shift gears. Is there something you want to oh, say? No, that's fine. Yeah, I think we've we've hammered it to a point. All right, all right. So, boys, it's time to get to the outhouse and the penthouse. The outhouse and the penthouse is brought to you by our guy Jeff Cadwalder. He's been working hard since the beginning of the year to expand his real estate services to now include commercial properties. Boys, he has been killing it. Doesn't matter if you're a business owner, a homeowner, or an investor. If you're looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial or residential properties, Jeff is your guy because he is our guy. Give him a call. Give him a text. Jeff Cadwalder with SVN Landmark today at 630-254-4734 or visit GenevaJeff.com. If you do talk to Jeff Cadwalder, let him know the guys in the Bear Down Chicago podcast say hello. All right, boys, so the Bears lose. We're going to head to the outhouse first. Uh, remember, it doesn't have to be a specific player that can be a part of the game or whatever else it might be. I think there's a lot of stuff to talk about here in the outhouse. So for the outhouse, let's stick in the same order. So Sheldon, Brennan Chagru, Jack Wright, and I will finish it up. Outhouse, boys. Uh, so many options. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go. We've we've hammered enough of these points, so I'm gonna go officiating again in the outhouse. Um, whether it was the touchdown that they didn't review, we talked about that with Njoku, uh, or a terrible late hit. I don't know if you've got that, Ryan, or if you've seen the clip on Twitter, but at the end of the first half, the interception that fields through, he released the ball, and a good two full seconds after he released the ball, he got hit. Uh, no late call. Uh, he got hit in the helmet on a on a the the play where uh, they reviewed it to see if his knee was down. He got hit in the head. Um, he, there was another play. It was, uh, in the first half. I can't remember exactly, but he got hit late as well. Uh, and then I'm watching, I juxtapose that to the Dallas game where like, you know, <laughs> there was no question Dak was getting those two calls. Um, and I've seen those exact plays against Justin Fields, not draw a flag. I don't know what it is, but he just does not get the benefit of the doubt. Um, or even the obvious call when it's there. And, and the, I thought the officiating officiating was just terrible today, uh, on a variety of levels. Um, but those two plays in particular stood out to me. I'm going to go with the interior of the offensive line as a whole. Um, first off, Tevin Jenkins, I hope he's okay. Losing him was a just huge loss. He's dealing with a concussion, got replaced by Cody Whitehair. So we all know how that goes. Um, Lucas Patrick, uh, guess what? He was the honorary captain of the game. Great. There's only great thing he did all year or all day because he was a turnstile at center. Just consistently let up pressure up, up the middle. Um, it'll be, I, I'm very in, interested to see the PFF grades and sort of like who gets attributed like pressures, QB hits and sacks whatsoever. But 
Patrick, by far, I thought was just the worst offensive lineman on the field. We we know he's he's been better as of late, but this game he just definitely got exposed. And then uh, Nate Davis. Nate Davis did not have a good game either. He was getting flagged. Um, also had trouble kind of managing the off the um, Browns offensive line. So, yeah, I just was not thrilled with what the interior of the off- offensive line was doing. I feel bad putting Tevin in there because dude dealing with a concussion, but uh, unfortunately he's part of it. So all three or four of those guys are in the outhouse. Well, I'm going to go with my special teams bent again. I think, you know, unfortunately, Ryan uh, and I jinxed Trent Taylor, as I'm sure uh, Patrick Sheldon will let you know in every way, shape, imaginable later on down the road. We were talking about how consistent he was, of course, and we were talking about how dependable he was, of course, and then and then he, uh, he fumbled two, lost one, so that sucked. Uh, and he had been, I think, pretty good, even though he wasn't really a threat in any way uh, to return a ball. Um, he at least made some great decisions um, in terms of where he chose to, uh, when he chose to catch it, when he chose to let it go. And then, you know, Trent and Gill, <laughs> <laughs> done with you, bro. Uh, I think it was especially fitting when they announced that he had the lowest net average in the NFL late in the game. And then 16 proceeded to rifle a punt right through the end zone. And, you know, uh, in a game like that, it was a cold weather game, a defensive battle. Uh, you know, if we took a look at field position with a microscope, we would see that those types of plays become instrumental uh, and maybe not as obvious as some of the other things that we're talking about on offense and defense, but man, those things accumulate uh, and it's too bad because we drafted him and I just don't think uh, we need another Pat O'Donnell. Uh, that story has been played out already. Darnell Mooney, just a fall from grace for that dude. Like he, he just, I think it was like three years ago where like, he had a thousand yards, right? What, what maybe three, four, whatever it was, right? He had a thousand yard season, and now like bad blocking, missed passes. Like there are a couple times where he legitimately looked like he just wasn't interested in playing. The fourth and one, Justin goes to the outside. You guys know the one that I'm talking about. He he had it. If Darnell Mooney like gives a real block, like just he needed a fraction of a second, and that dude had no interest in it. I'm gonna throw it up there yet again. I mean, for for all of you, just like wow, I, I know it's it's a it's a big moment and all that sort of stuff. But if you want to be a big time receiver, like if the ball is in your lap and in your hands, like you've you've got to hold on to it, dude. I. It just, it is, it's so frustrating. So he had two catches for 14 yards, but he was targeted eight times. Like, bro, six opportunities that you couldn't get the ball in your hands. Like, I just, I am, I'm bummed because I really liked Darnell Mooney a lot, but it's his time as a Chicago Bear is is done. All right, boys, let's go, please. Shells, come on now. What were you going to say? No, I was just gonna say it seems like his the rapport between Mooney and Fields has gotten worse. It just doesn't seem like they're ever on the same page. It's bizarre. I I, I totally agree. All right, let's go out to the the penthouse boys. Same order. Ah, uh, the penthouse boy. Um, mm, I don't know. There really isn't. I mean, I'll go. You know what? You know who? I'll go Tyreek Stevenson specifically. Uh, I'll call him out. Um, the defense played great, but I'll. I'll I'll target him because 
he had what I thought was a potentially game-changing play with that interception late in the game at the goal line or near the goal line. Uh, just a tremendous play to come off the ball and 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 make that diving catch. Uh, then get a heck of a return. I thought he just played really well. Almost had another interception uh, earlier in the game. Um, I'll tell you, he's looked really, really good. I don't know how his play late in the season is going to factor into the Jalen Johnson decision, who I would love to see um, come back. I would love to see him get re-signed. I've said that for a long, long time. I think you got to pay your young studs, especially the homegrown ones, and I think Jalen Johnson fits in that category. Um, But I thought Tyreek Stevenson played really, really well today, and uh, he deserves some some credit um, being a rookie just for improving week after week. This is really tough. There's a few I really want to take. Um, all right. I'll just say I hope this I hope this guy gets taken by one of you guys. If he doesn't, I'm going to get really mad. And I'm going to pick the Bears linebackers because Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards were phenomenal today. And I think they play really well together, too, because, I mean, TJ Edwards should have had a pick. I can't believe the ball. Yeah. Still holding on to it, by the way. I haven't dropped it once. But it just went right through his hands for a completion. I couldn't believe it. Um, but still, he he played an incredible game. He had six total tackles, um, only one solo. That's kind of wild. Uh, so he was gang tackling a bunch of guys, um, had half a sack and then two pass deflections, one QB hit. And then Tremaine Edmonds, of course, the beneficiary of that tip ball uh, where he had the pick six. He had nine total tackles, led the team. He had five solo, one pass deflection. And uh, like I said, just the touchdown. Uh, Both of those guys, I think we know TJ Edwards was playing well for most of the season. Jermaine Edmonds had been injured, but I really feel like the past, like let's say three or four weeks, you know, as the defense has gotten better, Jermaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards have finally learned how to play together. And I know they're different linebackers. TJ Edwards kind of that like, you know, big hitter kind of guy. Jermaine does really well in pass coverage. But these two together, like this is, these are this is finally what we thought we were going to get from these linebackers. And man, they are fun to watch. So uh, they're in the penthouse for sure. It's a great call. I mean, Edmonds had uh, nine tackles uh, today, the pick six. I mean, he was just all over the place. And he seems to be healthy and playing a little bit better every week uh, for sure, Brendan. Uh, it's getting hot in here. Don't take off your clothes. I am getting so hot. I'm not going to take my clothes off. Montez uh, Sweat. I'm feeling sweaty. Uh, he is freaking amazing. Let's give credit where credit is due. He is – I mean, just think about it. And I know we don't really, like, love the fact that, you know, the defense is good and the offense is still bad. But let's face it. Bears fans needed something to be excited about. And I'm telling you, like, watching the Bears defense, it, it like, motivates me. I'm just, like, so incredibly impressed with – the tenacity and the physicality and the way that they fly around, fly around the, the field. I mean, it is, it's really exciting to watch. And I mean, obviously Montez Sweat has been a major shift in that direction for the Bears defense. He had seven total sacks, seven total tackles. I haven't had two and a half sacks. Maybe he had three, uh, one TFL and three quarterback hits. And the unspoken part here that I think we all recognize is that we suddenly have a defense that puts pressure on the quarterback and even though you're right, Ryan Flacco had a pretty great day in the air. Generally speaking, that has been a great formula for uh, the defense in, in the last, you know, four to five weeks. But what does Mike Lombardi think about it? <laughs> what an idiot. Ah, 
What an idiot. All right, so just a quick honorable mention, because I can, uh, to Cole Komet. Way to bounce back that that penalty, that false start was bad. But then to make that catch in the end zone for, for a touchdown. So on the season, he's got 571 yards and six tutties. That's pretty awesome. But my, my real one definitely goes to uh, Roshan Johnson. I, I was like, meh on that guy, but I just, so he had five rushes for 36 yards at 7.2 a pop, but the ability to catch, I think was highlighted today in, into very difficult situations. He made something out of nothing. So he had four receptions for 24 yards. And I just think that uh, I'm excited with this kid, what he's going to be doing uh, in, in, up, upcoming. Uh, and I definitely think he is, he's one that, that polls found that I'd like to keep around. I'm not saying he's going to be a feature back by any mean, but I like him. And, and so that, that's awesome. Boys, anything that we missed, anything that we missed, same order. Yeah. I got, I got a couple things, both, uh, quasi injury related. <clears throat> when are we going to talk about Khalil Herbert and him just not <laughs> looking at all like Khalil Herbert? And is he still injured? Is he not 100% recovered? But he has not looked good at all since he's come back. Um, you know, getting a little bit concerned about him unless it's still injury related. Uh, and then also uh, Justin Fields. We saw him last week working the shoulder. It looked like maybe he had he had hurt something and they noted him on the sideline kind of trying to uh, move his shoulder around. Heard it on the broadcast today. Mark Sanchez said the same thing. Looked like he got hit pretty hard and was moving his shoulder, trying to get that right. I wouldn't be surprised if at the end of the season we hear something about him playing through a shoulder injury. Um, but this is now two weeks in a row. It seems like he's kind of either favoring or, or nursing uh, an injury to his throwing shoulder. So interested to see um, if there's anything there. But um, I, I don't <clears throat> I don't know what's going on with Herbert, man, but he's just not looked right since he's returned from injury. I don't know if he came back too soon, but uh, it's just been it's it's been stunning to see how how poorly he's played since he's gotten back. The entire run offense really has struggled the last couple of weeks, hasn't it? It just feels like they don't have the rhythm they once had. And maybe that part, maybe part of that is Sheldon trying to work in those three backs because mm-hmm. it was kind of Foreman doing his thing. And then you bring back Roshan and then you bring back Khalil. And yeah, something's not working there. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, Khalil's definitely, I don't know what's going on there with him. Um, Bears have at least three turnovers in four straight games. That is the first time. Since anyone want to guess if you haven't seen it, 1972 when Johnny Red Knuckles was playing quarterback. No, I don't know. 2018, 2018. <laughs> but you know what? That, that kind of shows like this is this truly is becoming like a special defense when you can do stuff like that because we all saw that 2018 defense. We we still hold that in high regard. And speaking of the 2018 defense, I don't think we've really talked about Eddie Jackson getting his first interception of the year. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, did you or did you not have a a, a tally on Twitter of like, let's make of all the terrible plays that business decisions (laughs) that Eddie Jackson made? And then, yeah. 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 And that doesn't change how I – like that – He's like, looky, looky, got a cookie. I mean, yeah, I guess he gets credit for being <laughs> in the right spot. And then Flacco threw it right to him. Yeah. He didn't want to have anything to do with the end zone. I mean, this is – I know you're just poking here, but it's not debatable. Eddie Jackson, 
terrible needs to go. <laughs> he caught the ball. <laughs> Good job. That was great pressure. That was great pressure by Justin Jones, though. It Speaking was. of poking uh, and being in the right spot, I want to talk about our newest sponsor. <laughs> oh, sorry, Jack. Not now. Not the time. Not yet. Not yet. Oh, okay. Later. man. Got it. Oh, all right. man. Sorry, um, guys. I had it all queued up. My bad. You know what? I, I'll just touch on this lightly. And if uh, Jack wants to take it, he can. Uh, Bayless Jones, two <laughs> positive plays today. <laughs> not one, but two positive plays. <laughs> it was good. Yeah, what was it? He, uh, he had uh, what? It was um, Bellis Jones had two carries for 23 yards. That's an 11 and a half uh, per, per clip, guys. So, yeah, look at uh, that. If they could start making him look like Debo Samuel, that would be fantastic. But um, I guess, like, if my grandma had wheels, she'd be a bicycle too. So, <laughs> yeah. um, but she doesn't. Uh, <laughs> all right all right two more things quickly okay. um i love that jaquan brisker i i think he's playing like bateman in the replacements where he's just you know going after everybody he's like i just want the ball coach i just want to go hit someone and uh i just i love that Good reference. he's playing great ball yeah and then i will uh pat myself on the back because i boldly predicted that the bears would get a defensive score on Sunday, and they did. Uh, don't look at my other predictions because I also said Darnell Mooney was going to catch a goddamn touchdown. <laughs> so, so that hurts. He was yeah. so close. I mean, it was it was close. I was just going to say maybe if you could chuck the ball. Oh, there it is. Every time it hurts. If you could, you need to throw the ball in the air, uh, Brendan, and then lean back in your chair, and then. But oh, it just oh, stayed it. on my okay. lap. Wow. Didn't All even right. in my hands for that one. <laughs> oh, I'll be damned. Uh, so just one real quick nugget. It'll be interesting to see what the Bears run defense ranks after everything uh, washes out. Because they the, the Browns rushed 18 times for 29 yards, which is a 1.6 average. So uh, I know they were already like in the top three in a bunch of those categories when it comes to run defense. So uh, I'll be interested to see where they are now. I, I got nothing that we missed. I just I can't believe you let Joe Flacco throw for almost 400 yards and just Amari Cooper just down the sidelines. Was it was it Terrell Smith that that just took a terrible, terrible angle on, on the ball and just let that dude run up the sideline for a tutty? Because that was bad. Like r- rookie or not, like that was really, really bad. And it like it still hurts my heart. Joe Flacco. 400 yards. He's elite. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, you know, actually there is one other thing. Um, Sanchez is, he's bad. He's bad in the booth. Just some of the things that he was bringing up. Like, I think at one point he said that Joe Flacco had thrown for three touchdowns. We only threw for two touchdowns. Like there was a couple other times you're just like, they were singing his praises and then he throws an interception. And I think they were like still singing his praises. Like I just like, yeah, that, that dude is, I, you know, no, thank you. He no. looks like he's oh, been like you. living in a hostel somewhere. Uh, you know, <laughs> like the, I don't even know where. Uh, like the, since the butt fumble, he's his just really kind of at a downward slope. I think. I like his flow. I, I was like, yeah. damn, look at Mark. I'm Sanchez. not going to trash Mark Sanchez. I feel like he's probably doing all right for himself these days. <laughs> yeah, true. Fair <laughs> enough. All right, boys. Anything else before we get to shout outs to get out of here? Mm-mm. All right, shells. Take it off. All right. I got two. Uh, first is Bears related. Uh, I'm going to shout out Eddie 
He's at Eddie B2. Um, we don't always Eddie. agree, Eddie, but uh, he always keeps it very friendly and very respectful, uh, even when we don't agree. And he's one of the, the good follows out there on Twitter. So uh, go out and give him a follow. Uh, love, Eddie. And then uh, I'm going to shout out a unicorn, in my opinion, maybe the best people out there. Um, there's a few of us. Betsy Tarr comes to mind. Uh, but the one I'm going to shout out today in particular is Jay Bones who is both a Bears and Yankees fan. Um, we are best of breed. Uh, we have a lot to celebrate this week. I don't know if you guys heard, but uh, the Yankees signed a pretty decent um, or, or traded for a pretty decent player in Juan Soto uh, and are on the cusp of signing an incredible free agent out of Japan. And so um, although the Bears are, are absolutely crushing my spirit and my will right now, the Yankees are giving me a reason to be hopeful for the spring. And so I'm going to shout out Jay Bones. He's at WaySheGoes76. Uh, a lot of great interactions with him around the Bears and the Yankees. So I um, wanted to give him a shout out. Um, and uh, if you guys want to talk White Sox hot stove, you just let me know. Eddie's my guy. I love him. And not only does he have great Twitter takes and kind of keeps it real, he's my Peloton buddy. So he'll just tag me in random classes that he takes that he likes. So I'm like, all right, add to the list, man. And, you know, I just, uh, I did one yesterday that he recommended. So uh, love Eddie. It's a good dude. Uh, I got a few. I got like five. So I'll try to get these through, get through these quickly. Uh, shout out to Lucas Hunt, uh, one of our Bears writer, Bears Wire writers. He did his first uh, player interview. He interviewed Patrick Manley. <laughs> Um, I've had the pleasure of interviewing him in the past and um, I thought it would be a great idea to have somebody else kind of, you know, do something different. And Lucas did a phenomenal job. If you haven't read it, uh, just double go back on bears wire and check it out. He, he really did a great job with just asking some awesome questions. Um, and then uh, my guy, TJ go big. Um, I think that's how you say his name. Been following each other for a long time. He sort of went mega viral yesterday when he, clip the video of George Pickens just absolutely not giving a shit about blocking and everybody <laughs> like I mean everybody picked it up like Albert Breer a lot of the like Lance Zerline NFL guys tons of people were just running with it saying yeah this is definitely a problem and it was all because of TJ so uh super cool of him to kind of see him get his shine and then uh, my next few are from the ESPN 1000 uh, holiday parody radio day or contest I guess uh, Waddle and Sylvie were out at uh, Bub City, went out there with my dad, met, of course, our guy, Tyler Aki, said hi to him. Um, I also want to shout out Danny Rocket at Sun Ranto. Awesome Cubs follow. He does these just incredible Cubs parody songs. He was a finalist for the show, and I thought he should have won. He, he had a great – he had two great songs, F the Cardinals, F the Brewers. Um, I'm sure it's on YouTube or Twitter, but he's he's so talented – uh, and tremendously nice guy. So it was great to finally meet him. We followed, followed each other for a long time. And then finally, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Tom Thomas, what, what is it? Gregory Thomas Waddle. Is that his full name? Tom Waddle. Um, I got to shake everybody's hand, just say hi, hello. Um, but I'm outside. I'm with my dad in Rosemont and we're, you know, a couple bars down just outside talking. And Tom comes up to me and he just says, Hey man, just good to see you. Like, thanks so much. So, um, it's cool that Tom Waddle like seeked me out and I was like, Oh yeah, it's my dad. And he's just, he's like, you were awesome back in the day and stuff like that. So talk to Waddle for a minute, but, uh, that was just really cool. The fact that I know that they were so busy with the holiday parody song contest and to have him just sort of like seek me out afterwards, 
uh, to just chat for like, you know, two minutes was, was really cool. So uh, shout out to everybody there. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a good weekend. It's a nice little humble brag there, Shiguru. Oh, cool. oh, it's not a humble brag at all. He seeked me out. I think that's awesome. That is so cool. <laughs> I mean, yeah, right. Tom Waddle, Mark Silverman, Adam Rank, friends of the show. Really? I mean, that's just kind of how we roll. Um, all right. Well, some angry baseball shout outs. Uh, shout out to the Yankees for attempting to buy themselves another World Series since they clearly have an inability to develop anybody in their minor league staff. So they'll just go ahead and throw money at the problem like they always do. See also the Chicago Cubs and their new manager. Shout out to Jerry Reinsdorf for being the worst team owner of any team owner since probably Comiskey. He is awful. The Bulls are awful. The Sox are awful. And um, I loathe him. And I'm hopeful. No, I won't say that because it would be really mean. I think you know where I was going. You probably know where I was going. So uh, shout out to the people in the chat. I mean, I know that seems like it's just a, a shotgun approach here, but listen, like we had like upwards of 20 or 30 viewers at one time when I was looking at the, the numbers. And then we had just an incredibly active uh, chat going on in the comment session. So, you know, obviously uh, Matt VZ and YGK and just a ton of people that have been, I mean, Honestly, I think Matt VZ could have probably been like a, another host with us today. He did such a great job. So shout out to all y'all. Thank you so much for listening. Despite the Bears being not so good, to put it mildly, y'all keep coming back to us, and that's pretty cool. So thank you so much. So this is the all high school edition. So Matt Vanderzanen, we went to high school together, and Gee Kim, we also went to high school together. Those guys are they're hysterical. They they know their stuff. They're great dudes. And so shout out, I was gonna shout out before I even knew Jack was gonna do it, not just for being in the chat, but just being awesome guys. And the other one goes to, and I'm excited about this one. So Levi White, he's been shout out a, a few times. He's not on Twitter, um, but he is a third grade teacher in Tennessee. And this was uh, his quiz or part of his quiz for uh, geography. Uh, so for all of you audio only listeners, it's a, uh, there's the, the Midwest. And then there's a picture of sad Justin Fields on the bench. And the question is the Chicago bears are Mr. White's favorite football team, even though they aren't very good, they play in Illinois. What number is Illinois on the map? And so I just, he's, he's, he's working tirelessly in Tennessee to create some bears fans. They're going to be miserable for life. Yeah, just not with that graphic. That, it's not. Just, <laughs> just the way that, that all of us are. And uh, just very, very thankful. Um, as Jack said, you know, we are, I don't know, guys, is there anything else that you want to say about just how awesome it is that people want to hang out with us on a sunny night and talk bears on a regular basis? It's really cool. We really do appreciate it. And it's fun to, you know, just see the different conversations and questions that come up too. like, you know, we're having, we're doing our, we're sharing our opinion. You guys are sharing your opinions. Um, and so we, we def, we notice, even if we don't get to every chat or acknowledge it, like we see it all. So we really do appreciate it. We're incredibly thankful. There are so many Bears podcasts out there, so many places you can get your Bears information, and you have chosen to hang out with us. It means so much to us, truly. Uh, for those of you that even pop in and pop out, you're busy, you got busy life things going on. We just, we appreciate you so very much. You can help us out. You can share this podcast with a friend. You can hit us with a five-star review, like, subscribe, do all those things. Um, it just, it, it, it helps us out tremendously. And so we're just so very thankful for all of us here the bear down chicago podcast so that is jack wright 
Brendan Chagru, Patrick Sheldon, Logan Bradley. I am Ryan Dangle, folks. For all of us, thank you so much, folks. And as always, bear down, Chicago.